everlasting arms. Amen. Man, it's good to be with you tonight. Just barely made it in time. But we're here. Amen. We're going to have a good time regardless. Amen. Let's change it to the key of C. Amen. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Will it? Every day with Jesus sweeter than the day
Jesus. Oh, it's sweeter than the day before. Every day with Jesus, will I love Him more and more? Jesus saves and song on my heart just any day now and well, maybe we could sing that brother Matt I think it's in the key of F <laughs> just any day now our Lord is coming and he'll be again oh just any song what a lovely name the name of Jesus oh what a lovely name the name of Jesus oh reaching high and far than the brightest star and sweeter than the songs they sing in saints proclaim what a lovely name and soon he'll come in clouds of glory saints of every race shall behold his face and What a lovely name. Well, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. Oh, reaching high and far. Yes, then the bright. 
brightest star Sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven Let the saints proclaim Oh, what a lovely name again Oh, now what a lovely name The name of Jesus Reaching high and far Than the brightest star Sweeter than the songs they sing in What a lovely name. Amen. A little song we'll sing just before we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, heartaches, broken pieces, key of C. Let's try that. Let's sing this little song together. Heartaches. I will serve thee because I love thee. Amen.
decision to turn my heart and life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this song means so much to me. I remember where I was when this song found me and touched my heart. Amen. It just it means a lot to me. Amen. And I'm so thankful that the Lord has been good to me all my life. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to take our needs to the Lord in prayer. I don't have a list in front of me, but if you have an unspoken special need upon your heart, Man, we know the different ones among our assembly that are uh, we hold up in prayer, so we'll just continue to do that. Brother Aaron, if you would step forward and just take these needs to the Lord. And if I could have the deacons also come forward, amen, and we'll just pray over the offering at the same time, amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come before your throne humbly this evening. Thanking you, Father, for another opportunity, Lord, to come, Father, and hear your word. For, Lord, we remember, Lord, reading in the Bible how that you opened your mouth on the mountain and you spoke the words, the words of eternal life. Father, we are here, Lord, not to follow a ritual, not to see one another, not just to tick a box. But, Lord, we are here because we are candidates of the rapture. We are here, Lord, because there is a drawing in us. There is a longing in us, Father, to be like you and to go to the other world. For we know that though we are in this body, though we are in this flesh, we are not part of this world. Father, we bring needs and all these things before you, Lord, because you, we know, Father, that heartaches and broken pieces are the reasons why you died on Calvary. Lord, there was no one who was worthy. There was no one, Father, who could do, who could pay the price. But we thank you tonight that the full price was paid. Everything vested on Calvary. And tonight, Lord, we draw the benefits of the promises of, that you have given to us. Lord, we also want to pray for the offering, Lord, for your children, Lord, that are stretching forth their hands to give to your work. We pray that you, you give a blessing, O oh God, for you said in your word that whatsoever shall be given to you, it shall be given back, uh, pressed down and shaken and running over. We thank you, Lord. We commit now our pastor into your hands. Father, may you just anoint him, Lord. Be with, may you make us to come into one accord as we hear your word. We thank you, Father, for we know that is the channel that you have given us. Lord, your provided way to speak to our hearts and to shape us and to move in the direction that you want us to move. We commit the, the service now into your hands. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. As your pastor makes his way forward at this time, we're not going to take up any more of your time, amen. We're going to just get right into the word. We'll sing that song, You Deserve the Glory. You deserve the glory and the honor. 
our hands in worship as we lift your holy sing that one more time if that'll be all right and uh just want to mention a couple of prayer requests and i didn't see uh jaron before the service tonight so let me give you a couple of requests brother and sister drum are listening tonight and they're not feeling very well and so we would ask you just to remember uh, them in prayer certainly their desire to be here sister tracy rabin uh, is not here tonight she's going to be traveling this week so we want to remember her sister mindy osborne uh some of you know she had a surgery Uh, on her spinal column and uh, she's going through recovery it's been a difficult recovery but we want to remember her in prayer Uh, brother henry coffee is not here tonight the chris clayville children are not here tonight they've got a virus that's floating around and uh, also i thought we'd mention brother uh, jaron's dad brother keith brown had a stint uh, put in this week and so we want to remember brother keith um I asked you a little while ago to remember Brother Mike Wall's need for church building in Washington. It's a very, very challenging thing to do to try to uh, get a hold of a building over there. They're temporarily using a school, and uh, they still do not have a building. So I thought it would be good for us to continue to remember that need in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can turn to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because... We know that you hear us. We can bring all of our petitions and our concerns to you. Lay them at your feet and believe, Lord, that as small as they are, and sometimes, Lord, compared to the situations in the world, they may seem insignificant to some. But, Lord, these are needs that real believers are going through. And so we bind our faith together now and ask that you would be strong on behalf of these people, Lord, that have made these requests, both small and great, Lord. You're... According to your prophet, Lord, you're, you're a, a, an inexhaustible fountain of life. And that thrills us, Lord, because we know we can never use up your goodness and mercy. We can never, Lord, exhaust your benefits. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit these needs to you tonight. Have your way among us, Lord, we pray. Father, we commit the service, our little time of study into your hands tonight. Father, we ask that you would just minister to each and every need. Bless my wife tonight, especially, we pray. And Lord, we commit our time together now into your hands. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more time. You deserve the glory and the honor. 
deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship as we lift your holy name for you. standing tonight. God bless you. Let's take your Bibles. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'd like to read a little passage there before you're seated tonight. Thank you, musicians. And let's look 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Good to have all of you with us tonight. <clears throat> it's good to be in God's house, isn't it? Good to be a Christian and to know it. And all things are of God, verse 18. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. That's worth saying. And even if we stopped right there, that's a wonderful thing. He has reconciled us to himself by Christ. But it goes on to say, and he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, or to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Not the act of reconciliation, but the message of reconciliation. You can be saved. You can be set free. May God at his blessing you may be seated tonight. Threw you off there, didn't I? We'd like to welcome Sister Elizabeth tonight. Sister Elizabeth is Brother Aaron Nengamaza's mother-in-law. And she's here tonight. She's in the nursery uh, with the kids. But uh, if you see her tonight, make sure you shake her hand. We're certainly glad to have her. She's going to be sticking around a little bit longer than planned, and that's good. I just wanted to say a little special testimony because uh, September 20th is a special day in my life. And uh, most of you probably wouldn't know that. But many, many years ago, back in the 1980s, uh, early 1980s, I was visiting Cloverdale Bible Way. That's when Cloverdale was meeting in the log cabin. So that'll tell you how old, uh, how long ago that was. And uh, I preached my first public sermon there. Uh, It was 1982 or 1983, right, right in that area. And uh, <clears throat> I seriously considered moving to Cloverdale at that point. Uh, I came very close to it, and Brother Biscoll and I had talked about it, and 
just just came very gave that a lot of consideration. Imagine me and Brother Jason would have been very young, very young. And uh, one thing, uh, we, I was making plans for that, and I had time off from my work, and I, you know, I was I was making plans to go back to Cloverdale and uh, visit again, and I was seriously considering moving, but. The Lord had other plans, and uh, that trip fell through. It didn't, didn't work out. There was other things that were in the pathway, so it didn't work out. And the week that I found out I wasn't going to be there, I, uh, uh, lo and behold, we had a, a minister, a visiting minister from the States come up to Newfoundland and, uh, and uh, minister for a couple of churches up there. And in the, in the midst of our conversation, um, the minister's name was Brother Fulcher. Uh, who is now my father-in-law, and I was telling him a little bit about my plan. I was, uh, we were just chatting, and I was telling him, well, I, you know, possibly may move out to Cloverdale and so forth. And I said I was going to make a trip, but that got canceled. And he said, well, hey, if you got the time off and you got a plane ticket, he said, just change it and come on to Virginia. And I said, sounds right. There's something sounds right about that. Never been to Virginia, and it just sounded right. <clears throat> Flew to Virginia with my pastor, and uh, wound up uh, coming to Christiansburg, and we we're going to take a series of meetings. There's four meetings, and we we're going to uh, preach for Brother Fulcher. And I walked in. I was sitting in their living room there, and lo and behold, this young lady walked in, walked in the kitchen. And as soon as I laid eyes on her, 40 years ago today, it was love at first sight. I knew. I just knew. And uh, the rest of the story is kind of history uh, from there. And uh, that was a special visit, and I had uh, some special, we have special memories of that day and then that, uh, of that visit. It was just uh, really a long weekend, and uh, it was really uh, a blessing. And, and uh, of course, life was never the same after that. And that was a good change. And I <clears throat> gave my wife a card today, and I told her, I said, I'd do it all again. In a heartbeat, I'd do it all again uh, because it's uh, been, a, been an answer to prayer. And, of course, as Brother Brandon taught us, it's the second most important decision you'll ever make in your life is uh, who you choose for a wife. And it uh, seems like the choice was made for me. When she walked in the room, pff, choice is over. All right, let's move on. Next thing, you know, it's all, all taken care of. Prayer answered, no problem at all. And uh, so I appreciate her very much and uh, our life together. But it's also September 20th happens to be my mother's birthday. And today, she would have been 100 years old. And you never got to meet her. Most of you never got to meet her. Uh, but she was a very special uh, person in my life. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's a shame that you never got to meet her on this side. But Lord willing, uh, for all of you believers that are here, you'll meet her on the other side. I believe she's over there. All right, let's jump in. That's enough for the personal testimonies tonight. Let's jump in. <clears throat> now, I'm going to, uh, we've been talking about this, uh, this little study topic that we picked up on the scriptural difference between uh, John the Baptist and William Branham in Malachi chapter 4. And we've spent a couple services on that, and I hope that's given you a little insight into that uh, subject. And it's nice for us to be able to have a little uh, a little ammunition, if you like, a little uh, way of explaining that to other people and, and letting them know that this was not 
just one person. It wasn't a, a, one person for both of these events, but uh, it was actually two different people. And uh, as we uh, began to look at that, and I was thinking about the service tonight, I thought it wouldn't be nice for us to talk about uh, the different ministries that occurred the last day and the things that are going on, because there are multiple things that are happening in the last day, and uh, our ministry and what we're uh, called upon to do, because now at this particular junction in time, there are no prophets, right? There's no great ones among us, right? We had the fivefold ministry, and we thank God for the fivefold ministry. And uh, it's important for us to know then what are our obligations and what are our responsibilities because uh, we do actually play a role. We do have a function in this last day. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that, and it gets, it gets very interesting as you begin to look at it. But I always had to preamble a little bit. And one of the things I wanted to say is that I think it's important for you, as I mentioned to you a while back, that Brother Branham makes some interesting statements about unions. And for a long time, unions were not a big deal. They were not a thing. But you know what? All of a sudden, they're becoming a thing again. Well, let me give you just a couple of screens here. And Brother Branham goes back, whenever he talks about this subject, he goes back to Nimrod. And Nimrod forced a confederation or a union among people to protect themselves for seemingly good purposes, to protect themselves against any future cataclysmic flood that may occur on the earth. Nimrod had a plan. He devised a plan of which he was going to be the leader of the movement and protect everybody on earth so that we would never experience the ravages of a flood again. And we would all be safe. And so Brother Branham always brings it back to this. And he says, Nimrod built the big city of Babylon and confederated all the rounding cities uh, that they'd all confederate, to get, confederate together and they'd be one big city and that would be Babylon. Now to him that was, a, uh, that was a good thing. And remember now, everyone in the world by this time, in this first paragraph, everybody was of one language, right? They had... They had everything in common. So in other words, when Nimrod sends something out on Twitter, everybody got it, right? And God despised that federation of world order. There is a world order that's right, but not this kind. Because number one, Nimrod was forming this for the wrong reason. It's a classic example of an empire building uh, motive here. And look today, same thing. Look today, same thing. God despised that federation of order. Look today, same thing. Interesting. Confederations of labor, men binding themselves together by unions, different fetters, different things that bind people, denomination that winds them all together, breaks down the barrier, and the fellowship between different brethren. Confederation, one of the great signs that God gave in the first destruction, we see it appearing here in the last destruction. Now it's interesting, uh, I found this headline, and this was uh, uh, an article that was in the, um, the Journal of Economists, and uh, I was looking at that today just, just very briefly, and it talked about how that people's interest in joining unions and forming unions is growing. It's growing quite quickly. It's not a fast process because you don't get uh, a union formed overnight. It's not a, not a knee-jerk kind of a reaction. 
But the article said workers show growing interest in, in joining unions. The share of non-union workers who would like to have a union at the workplace is far higher than the share who actually have union representation. So there's a lot of people who would like to have it who don't have it. And there's a lot of people who like to have it more than the people who actually have it. Survey data from 2017 shows that nearly half of non-union workers would vote to unionize their workplace if they could. And recent worker organizing efforts to send a clear message that workers want unions. So in other words, if, if we're looking at a trend, the trend is upward. Okay, the trend is upward for people wanting to have that. Now, Brother Branham was asked, uh, made this comment in questions and answers, number one. And he said, pertaining to labor unions, he said, you men have labor unions. And if you want to work, you have to belong to it. That's exactly right. You have to do that. So Brother Branham understood the dilemma that people are in when it comes to working in a unionized environment. Okay, he understood that. And he's not condemning people because they're part of a union. But he gives this warning. He said, but watch it, because it's going to come from labor to religion one of these days. Now, who knows how in the world that's going to happen? Except we live in a time of uniting. We live in a time of merging. We live in a time of confederating. And under leadership of people like Nimrod, who are doing it for normally nefarious reasons. They're doing it as a means of kingdom building. And obviously the Antichrist is going to unite everything. And so Brother Branham said in another place, he said this is indicative, the unionizing that's going on and the confederating that's going on, he said is indicative of what God's doing in the spiritual. That's between Christ and the bride. So he drew that parallel, okay? And then he said, now just remember, it's a forerunner of everything becoming unionized. You can't work and they won't let you on the job, you're a scab, unless you belong to this union and so forth. So he's, he's letting us know, he understands that. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a reality for a lot of people that, you know, if you come against the union or you want to work in a factory and everybody else's union and you're not, that's tough, right? That makes a pretty tough situation. But when you look at the influence that some of these unions have, like the UAW and uh, you know some of the other unions that are that are now in in formation and growing uh, with some large labor markets, uh, it's just going to be interesting to see where it goes. And all I'm doing is just throwing the flag up, and I'll take it down uh, because we'll move on. Okay, but that's what he said. That's what Brother Branham said. And uh, when, he, when he throws things out there like that, he mentions it about six or seven times, gives very clear uh, warning about it, then it is something for us to take hold of. Now, <clears throat> there, is, there, is a, um, there is always a progression in, in ministry. And uh, a progression meaning that every time that God turns a corner, every time that God moves it takes the people higher so that we have a, a higher understanding, greater understanding. Uh, I think uh, all of us, and I'm including myself here, all of us are underwhelmed at the understanding God has given us of his word in this last day. I, I said we're underwhelmed. Uh, and, and it would be painful for you to sit there and have me say, we take the, the message for granted and we take the word of God for granted. I don't think we do. I think when we sit down and think about it, we're, we sh- we're, I think we're a very grateful people and a very thankful people. And I can tell that because you keep coming, right? And uh, we're, we're, we're learning, we're growing, we're testifying, we, uh, we, we com- we're committed to the, uh, to the body of Christ, and, and I, I appreciate that so very much, and uh, I, I feel exactly the same way. I tell people all the time, I said, you know, some of my people are in the church are just really great people. Some of them are actually Christians. 
<laughs> they're, just, they're just the best. <clears throat> and we should feel that way. We should, we should be uh, excited to get together. We should be uh, thankful for the, opportunity that we, the opportunities that we have to get together. Because it is going to fade out, right? It is going to stop one day. We know that. Uh, and until then, we should take full advantage of it. But remember now, every time God does something, every time God turns a corner, he moves the bride higher to a better understanding. And even if we play catch-up, even if that understanding doesn't dawn on us and is not revealed to us even until later, we're still thankful for what we know. Because God is, God is actually going to change your body by what you know. Right? By faith. And faith comes by hearing. And hearing is a revelation. And uh, God's going to change your body by that. And I will tell you, every member of the bride's going to be there. So we're all going to be caught up at some point uh, in order to have our bodies change and go. How many believe that? Hey, it's, it, it's a real thing. Like Joe says, it's a, it's a thing. It's a real thing. Even though we just talk about it and it's like theoretical in a sense, it is a real thing. And we believe we're coming to it. We can never have this attitude that Lord Kelvin had, and I showed you this before, where he said there's nothing new to be discovered in physics now. Remember, now he, he died in 1907, before Einstein's time, and all that remains is more and precise measurement. Well, uh, there are a few things new to learn, and you can never ever put a period or an endpoint on what we believe, because if we, need, if we had all that we needed, uh, dummy, you wouldn't be sitting here. Your body would be changed, right? So there's still more to go. There's still more to, to know. And it's just like the people who uh, believe that the world is flat. Uh, they, they had a, a, a limited, limited interpretation of things, and uh, it proved it didn't work out. Like in Galileo's time, Galileo had constructed his telescope to show how the earth revolved about the sun and not the sun around the earth. And since Copernicus advanced this hypothesis, it had caused great, great controversy. Galileo had now had proof. And so this was a big deal because the Catholic Church didn't believe this. And when he demonstrated this, many highly intelligent people refused to look through the telescope. No, nope, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. So frightened were they, that they might, of what they might see. So frightened that they actually might see truth and proof and evidence. It's right there in the skies. That, that the, the, the earth actually revolved around the sun and not the other way around. And the church was in such denial that they, were for, they forced Galileo to his knees and made him withdraw his evidence and recant his, his discovery. So when he was in the court and he was hauled up to recant his views, uh, the, the Pope walked past and, uh, you know, Galileo said what he did. And, uh, you know, when the Pope went on outside of earshot and he just simply said, but it's true anyway. Now history tells us that. So Brother Branham tells us this, and this is the best approach. In 1964, in Feast of the Trumpets, he said, we'll walk in the light, one step at a time, coming closer to him. I like that. Come, just one step at a time. Not, not a mad dash, just one step at a time. Children of the light, accept his word, keep walking, and watch more unfold. Don't leave it, no matter what somebody says. Stay right in that and just keep walking with it. Watch it unfold and reveal itself. The word is a seed and a seed in the right kind of ground will bring forth of its kind. You don't need to unfold it. You don't need to interpret it. You don't need to bring it to pass. You don't need to try to figure it, figure it all out and piece it all together. God's already done that. God will continue to do that. You just keep walking in the light as he's in the light. How many can say amen? So don't stop somewhere and say, well, uh, you know, we got, we, got a, we got a certain kind of minister or we're in a certain camp or uh, something else and we got it all figured out. No, you don't. 
You don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't be here. You'd be in another body. So just relax. We're all the brides going to go together and we're all going to get over on the other side together at the same time. Isn't that right? All right. So when we adopt that attitude, this happens. Brother Branham said, I look back where I once was and I'm above that. He's not being smart alecky here. He said, I look back at where I once was and what I once knew. Remember, he once, he once figured uh, that when you die, you were just a cloud, right? Floating around like a puff in the sky. He says, look at where I once was. Look at what I knew. Now I'm above that. Pardon the pun. By his grace, he lifted me up, and here I am now, seated in heavenly places in Christ. Then the Bible becomes a new book. The Bible becomes a new book. How many can say the Bible ever in your Christian history has become a new book? You turn corners, and you come to realizations, and you have these aha moments, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden now, it, it just becomes, it just becomes brighter. It becomes more real to you. It just, I've read that before, but I never read it like that. That's what you need to do, is just keep walking. Now, in the, in the scripture, we are familiar with, I'm going faster because, uh, I, I want to try to make, uh, give you your money's worth here. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, there is a promise of the ministry, and Paul is talking about future here. He's talking about uh, whether he knows it's going to roll on for another 2,000 years or not. We don't know. But he knows that God's given the body what the body needs to come to this place of verse 12. And verse 12 describes where the body is supposed to come to. That is the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Right? So that's the goal. He describes the end goal for the people of God. And the way God's going to do it, he gives men to this purpose. He gives men that are called and ordained, not physically different. They're not more, more intelligent or more capable than other men. They are just called and wired slightly differently in order to be able to tap into the Word of God in a certain way and receive for someone else. To receive for someone else. And I believe that God has ordained a people and a ministry for that people. And that's the way He ordained it. So there are, there are certain, and, and I will tell you that uh, that doesn't always happen out the gate. I went through years of training, years of training, not seminary training. And I heard somebody recently criticizing the ministers in the message for not being seminary trained. And I thought, well, that's true. We're not seminary trained. Uh, none of us are. We have no degree. We have no little letters after our name in relation to ministry or Bible colleges or anything else. And in one sense, in one, <laughs> you're going to think this is funny. In one sense, that's kind of bad because, only because, if you go to seminary, part of your training involves training you to sing. And I thought, I, I, you know, I, I, I missed that, all of that. I got, <laughs> I got kicked out of the choir, as you know. I've told you my story. And, uh, I, I like to go to, I like choir. I, I really enjoyed choir. And I, I would go faithfully. I mean, you, you got off school, number one. And that's always a powerful motivator to get a, to join something is that you got out of class. So we get out, you know, on Friday afternoons at two o'clock, we'd be out of there and, you know, we'd be going down to the choir room and I was down there and, and Mrs. Long was a teacher. 
And uh, she, she listened to us sing, and we were, uh, all the time it seemed like we were practicing for a concert, because in Catholic schools, it was always a concert, and it was a big, big deal to have uh, everybody sing in the concerts. And so we were singing, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I remember the song. And I was in the front row. And she's, <clears throat> she's just kind of walking along like this and listening, kind of like Don Knotts. And listening, and finally, Mrs. Long, she comes back again, and she looks this way. She stops, and she says, just go back to class. <laughs> and kept on walking. And that, my friends, was grade five. And so that was the last of my professional training. And uh, I thought, well, you know, if, if maybe ministers had to go to Bible college, it would have included that I could have picked up and but it didn't happen. Just to say this, though, that the men in verse 12, or 11, are, they're, they're called. And God puts something in them to love the message of the hour in a unique way. And, and this, this may seem strange, but uh, for every sermon I ever preach, every sermon I ever preach, I get it twice. Because many, many times I sit down with a blank slate and I, I, I'm, I'm not aware in any way of what it is that I'm going to say in a particular service. It's a blank slate. And I just let my mind, I just rest and just let the Holy Spirit guide me and, and uh, open up a scripture or open up some thought or a quote or maybe something else. And then it begins to build uh, a little bit, you know, just line upon line like that. And then, and then there's a, when, you, when you yield to that and you recognize, ah, that's... That's, that's the, the leading I'm looking for. And you begin to lean into that. There's an anointing that comes that helps you study the word. And that anointing is quite different than the anointing to speak that word. And when it, when it comes from God, you know that when you stand in a pulpit, God's going to honor that because he didn't give it to me today for no reason. He gave it to me for a reason. And so therefore, I get it twice. I get it under two anointings. One is an anointing to study and the other one is an anointing to, to speak it in public. And so I'm very thankful for that, because without that, it would just be me. And just me, it wouldn't be really edifying at all. And so therefore, so therefore, I'll roll on with that. And so he gave apostles and prophets and, and evangelists, and, and there are prophets through the ages within the body who minister uh, to, the, uh, to the ages. But remember now, in the last day, we're not talking about just a prophet in the evangelical sense, we were talking about a major prophet that arrives on the scene. All right? Now, Brother Branham says a New Testament prophet is a preacher. Just any minister that's a preacher in is a New Testament prophet if he's prophesying, preaching, not to try to edify himself, make a big name, or edify his organization. So when a man is truly called, and his motive is right, and so forth, and he's fulfilling that calling in his life, he said that man is referred to in the, uh, in the original language of Ephesians chapter 4. He's considered a prophet. Every man ought to have, and every man ought to have a church home. And you ought to have a place, just not to float from pillar to post, but have somewhere that you go to church, but you, and, and you call it your church, somewhere you pay your tithes, help support the cause. Everybody should have that. Everybody should have uh, that link. So, in other words, in the New Testament now, and this is uh, Paul describing the New Testament, this is Brother Manum here reinforcing it, uh, things revolve out of the church. They don't revolve out of the temple like in Jerusalem. 
For the Jewish people in the Old Testament, right, everything centered around the, the, the temple. Isn't that right? The temple in Jerusalem. That's, that's where it, it, that was the center of everything. In the New Testament church, not so. We don't have one particular uh, big church or temple or headquarters uh, that we go to. It was never established that way, right? Because the church is established on the revelation of Jesus Christ. And everybody would have their own place. Their own place that they could uh, call their own. And that would be a group of people. And out of that would go ministries. And out of that would go uh, a witness and a light uh, to the surrounding community and so forth. But it was never intended to be one particular headquarters. And I believe, I'll take it this far and say, I believe, saints of God, and I know that you feel the same way. I believe that if you're a member of the Bride of Christ, God's obligated to find your little church and give you what you have need of to have your body changed. You don't have to be in this church or that church or under this minister or that minister. You don't have to be there in that kind of a position at all. It's not geographic, it's spiritual. If you're in Christ, if you're in the will of God, and you're in the place that God's planted you, let me tell you, God's obligated to get to you whatever you have need of to get from here to the kingdom where you belong, in the right body, in the marriage supper. No one will be left behind. No one will be plucked out of his hand. It has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with popularity. It has nothing to do with who's got the biggest church or whatever else. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing. And don't ever fall prey or victim to that kind of thinking. That's not what Brother Branham taught. Because there is not a place anywhere where Brother Branham said, Folks, if you all were in your right mind, you'd come to Jeffersonville. This is where it's all happening. If anyone would have had a reason to say something like that, it would have been Brother Branham. But he doesn't say it. And if he doesn't say it, we should not be saying it either. Even though it's being said. All right. Now, in Mark chapter 13... Jesus gives us a little parable, and I just wanted to take a phrase out of here. He said, take heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. And the time here he's referring to is a conclusion of things. We don't know when the good men of the house will come back. We don't want to know when the master is going to come back. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work. Let me, let me read that again. The Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Plural. Not one. But gave it to his servants and to every man his work. And that's what, the, that's what Ephesians tells us back here. That that the calling of these men in verse 11 is for the perfecting of the saints and the work of the ministry. It would be the thing by which we are known. The ministry would establish and they would pronounce, they'd be involved in the thing for which we are known. And the thing which we are known for is the last day's message, the truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's our message. We really don't have any other message, right? And that's what we're known by. That's our occupation, if you like. That's our activity is described by the light of the hour. And Jesus has taken this parable and says, The Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work. He's appointed men to do certain things and commanded the porter to watch. 
And watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, to watch. So the message that, that we have, and the thing that occupies us, is not only to say, watch, he's coming back, but also to prepare a people for that return. And that is work. That's not work in a sense that uh, it's a different than a servile work. Uh, it, it's, it's a work that, uh, as, as I can tell you this as a pastor, despite all the ups and downs and the things that are said and the, uh, you know, the, the, the valleys you go through and all the different things that take place, the things that people say about you and all the rest of it, uh, despite all of that, it's a work that I love to do. It's a work that I love to do. I'm just telling you how I feel. It's a work that I love to do. I would like to be able to sing too, but I like, I like the ministry side of it. <clears throat> so we, we have covered, and I'm not going to labor here on this, but we covered the five times that Elijah's spirit was used. And you know all of these now. And we come down to the end with Moses. Uh, Elijah, the spirit of Elijah is used to the 144,000 during the tribulation. So the Gentile world is in the midst of tribulation. And uh, the, the Gentile bride is in another dimension. And this is all the fulfillment of the prophecies that are found in Zechariah. So this is, this is what it looks like. Moses and Elijah on Mount Transfiguration. And then Moses and Elijah, two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11. And you can read it and go down through, uh, go down through that chapter. <coughs> now, Feast of the Trumpets here. Just a couple of statements. Brother Branham said, it's the end time, folks, and the great day of the Lord is at hand. Now, the great day of the Lord is not a 24-hour period. It's a season. It's a season of a judgment cycle that rolls out. And <clears throat> I believe that we're in, the, we're in the days of the day of the Lord. Everybody following? Theo, you got it? We're in the days of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord represents a judgment season. Theo's all dressed up here tonight and all sharp. I thought he was going to be taking the service tonight. And Brother Ram's telling us, he's alerting us here because he's teaching on this in the Feast of the Trumpets. He's saying, folks, now we're at the end time, and therefore it must be that the day of the Lord is, is the season we're in. Yeah. The day of the Lord refers to the people who are on earth, but now remember, there is a, a day of translation for the bride that we're also in, right? We call it a rapture cycle. Everybody with me? Bride age. We're in that age. So at the same time, there's a world that's moving like this, Brother Ram saw the bride at the end, he said, going over that horizon, and one of them went down in the tribulation, and the other one went up. At the same time, there's two groups of people moving in two diametrically opposite directions, right? One's going up, one's going down. One's going to marriage supper, one's going to the tribulation. There's no reversing course when we get to that place. And Brother Ram's saying now that in Revelation 11, their ministry will be the ministry of Moses and Elias, calling to Israel out of the Jewish traditions. Just to, listen, just as the seventh angel's message called the bride out of the Pentecostal tradition, aren't you glad God called us out of that? Amen. I said, aren't you glad that God called us out of that? Amen. They had a truth. They had a, uh, they had a, a right kind of worship. God restored things in the Pentecostal era that we're thankful for. And it was all part of the building of the masterpiece through the ages there. And we're thankful for that. Not taking anything away from that. But God's called us to a higher place than that. Right? 
And remember, rapturing faith is ahead of us. The change of our body is ahead of us, not behind us. You believe that? Remember now, Moses and Elijah is to call Israel out of the old atonement of the lamb and sheep and blood and goats and sacrifice to the real living sacrifice to the word. So the Jews today, when you go, when you go to Israel, uh, you know, in November, Lord willing, when we go, uh, it's a strange combination of things that you see. Uh, when you go and you look at the Jews at the wall, and, and you're, you're there, if we're there in, in the Passover on a Friday night, and uh, I remember, I, I've told you before, but I remember being there on a Friday night, and uh, when the sun begins to go down, that's the start of the Sabbath, and you hear, you just stop, and you can hear the singing, and the singing gets louder and louder, and here come the Jewish men down the street, and they got their arms around one another over their shoulders, and they're swaying back and forth like this, and they're walking towards the wall, and it's the beginning of the Sabbath, and the sun is going down, you can hear the, uh, the, the music ascending and you know the uh, the worship that's going on and they're all moving towards the wall and all these Jewish people are there because this is representative of the old temple and they're still fixated on the old temple or sir but let me tell you something you talk about an anointing you talk about a presence that's there it would make the hair stand up in the back of your neck I mean it's just so real and so sincere but they're still back in this idea of sheep and blood and goats and sacrifices and so forth they're still with a veil over their eyes worship because it's in their heart to worship, but their eyes are veiled so they cannot see that one true and living God who's already been on the earth and bled and died for them. And in one hour, their eyes come open. What a day that will be. And, and the Jewish people are, uh, in, in, when you go and see it, and you're actually, you're standing there in the middle of that. And there's this, there's this uh, you know, it's a paradox. I mean, here they are worshiping so sincerely, but they're 2,000 years out of sync. And then you think, why are they 2,000 years out of sync? They're 2,000 years out of sync because of you and me. And God cut, the, cut that branch off and then grafted in the Gentile branch. And then out of his mercy, he's going to graft them back in again. And we're, we're living in the days of the only resurrection of an entire country of people, a nation of people that have come back to life again. And God's allowed them to come back uh, into the tree of life and to have the awareness that they have. I mean, it's really quite a striking hour. And you would think in such an important hour, you would think in such a day as this, that God would have had somebody important around to lead the bride through it all. And he hasn't. You know who's here? Us. We don't have Brother Branham. We don't have Moses and Elijah. By faith, though, we believe that a greater than William Branham is here. So to you is given the job, not of Revelation 10, 7, but of Revelation 10, 8 to 11, which says, John, take the book, eat the book, prophesy again. Are we okay? All right, just stay with me now. Brother Branham said, now you're looking for turn the water into blood. He said, that comes over to Israel again with Moses and Elijah when they return. And, and people are asking Brother Bram, and they're looking for that in this age. Brother Bram said, no, that, that happens when Moses and Elijah. In other words, if we're at another exodus, shouldn't that be happening now? No, he says, that's when they come back. And Elijah, for the fifth time, returns back in the spirit. 
Neither of these were dead. Moses died. They don't know where they buried him. He was bound to be raised up somewhere between then and there because on Mount Transfiguration, there he was talking to Jesus. So there's an element, there's a dimensional element to this that we probably don't quite get. It's a little bit beyond our understanding how that somebody could die. They couldn't find him. Here he is on Mount Transfiguration. 2,000 years, here he is over here in Israel again. You've got to figure that out. And then for God to take the spirit of Elijah, put it on Elisha, put it on John the Baptist, put it on William Branham, put it on Elijah again over here. I mean, these, this is supernatural workings in a dimension that we really don't visit too frequently. But we see the manifestation of it, and that's what Brother Branham's saying. So they'll be, come back and be killed and lay in the spiritual street called Sodom, which is Jerusalem. And they'll preach to the Jews, close the heavens, and so forth. And the end of the Gentile ministry will carry over and connect with that. Think about what he's saying now. That this great event in Revelation chapter 11, that seasons don't end abruptly, right? Seasons overlap. Everybody know that? Whether you realize it or not, we're in the fall. And I'd like all the, all the bride of Christ to say, Amen. I was talking to somebody today who used to live in Virginia. And they were saying where they live now, they were saying it's beautiful now. It's, it's, it's turning cooler. It's beautiful now. And I said, it well may be, but it's not near as beautiful as the fall, fall morning in Virginia. And they said, you're right. You're right. So she said, what I do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and buy a fall mum and put it by my door and just sit there and pretend every morning. I said, there's just something real special about it. And even if I didn't live in Virginia, I think I'd come back every fall and just be there because it's just so beautiful. Now, if somebody could help me out and find out why I got out there, Brother Branham said that the seasons don't end abruptly. They fade into one another. This is really interesting. He said that the end of the Gentile ministry will connect with that. So there'll be kind of a crossover. You've got to wonder how much of a crossover. Last time I was in Israel, I saw people in Bethlehem Square with signs saying, this is Moses in this booth. Moses is going to show up at this booth at 2 o'clock and he was going to preach. So it's not just us who understand that there's, there's going to be these two prophets that show up and there's going to be a crossover. There's going to be a connection here. But this is what Brother Bram's absolutely telling us, that at the end of the Gentile ministry, it'll carry over and connect with that. And the Gentiles will go home and the ministry will go right on. So the spirit of Elijah will continue to be used right on through there. How far, we don't know. But I'm only saying what he said. Now... <clears throat> Let's get specific now. Because there is a role that we play in this, or a ministry, if you like, in the last day. And we're, I'm just going to introduce this to you, and then we'll pick it up again. <clears throat> One of the things that the bride understands, and the bride everywhere should be quick to extend to one another, is mercy. Right? If nothing else, we should, be, we should be in our church, we should be a forgiving society. We should be a people who are quick to forget. 
and realize that my forgiveness depends on how easily and readily I forgive others. And grace and mercy are things that I should be very quick to distribute to other people because I'm a product of his grace. And when we forget that, we've forgotten a lot. So Paul writes and says to the church, then if a man be overtaken in a fault, you but your spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself. Not only is it the right thing to do for them, but remember that you're 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 not untouchable. You're not invincible. You're subject to temptations like everybody else. And the moment you sit back and put your feet up and say, well, I'm bright, I can do what I want, and I can live whatever way I want to, and I can uh, conduct myself whatever way I want to because I'm predestinated and nothing can change that. That's a dangerous way to think. That's just a dangerous way to think. And so the idea is for you to bear one another's burdens and look like Christ. When you fulfill the law of Christ, you're actually reflecting his nature and his willingness to show mercy. And so therefore, that's, that intercessory role becomes important in our time because we live in a world that's full of opportunities to show that kind of mercy. Now, in the breach, Brother Branham said now, he said the days of intercession is over. Now, he's talking about the timeline. Hold, just hold with me. I'll give you a picture here. And let him that's filthy be filthy still, and let him that's righteous be righteous still. And he said the thing is close. One day mercy runs out. Mercy runs out for the Gentile people. And he says, brother, then what? Remember, it, it comes at the seventh age when the mysteries of God will be opened up. So in, in the days of pre-PowerPoint, this is what Brother Branham drew. He actually drew this on the wall. And so they didn't have what we have tonight, but this is a replica of his drawing. And he sketched this out to include all the important pieces here. And there's lots of things in this that we could comment on. But just let me say this, that I believe we're right here, right here where the arrow is, where the capstone, which is Christ, that Daniel talked about, crosses the timeline at the end of the seven church ages, prior to the two prophets of Revelation 11. So we're right. We're not obviously at that point, but I can't move my mouse close enough and still have a little bit of light. You come up and try, some of you people here. But we're right up to that point. So we have the end of 2,000 years. Three and a half years go to the Jewish people. Then a thousand years open up for the millennium. And Daniel describes this and breaks down the 70 weeks and what's left. And the capstone then would be the key event. The coming of the capstone would be the coming of the key. That would be the key event in that last day prior to those two prophets coming to snatch Juliet away. So Romeo has to come to snatch Juliet away, right? Everybody with me? To take that bride off the earth right at that time. And Brother Branham says, when that takes place, he said, then he that's filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that's holy, let him be holy still. So there's no changing things at that point because grace is lifted off the earth. So you are what you are. 
So it's really important for you not to live the life of a devil. And uh, when you die, blow the smoke of your candle out in the face of God and say, well, if I'm predestinated, I'll be there. I wouldn't do that. If we are Christians, we should live like Christians right now because we really don't know what tomorrow holds. And it's a much, much safer uh, way of living is to live for Christ when Christ calls you and we profess to be Christians. It, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the right way to live. Now, <clears throat> Brother Branham says, Oh, would to God, he said, the church were cold or hot. And best of all, she should be fervent or hot, but she isn't. Sentence has been passed. Now, he's talking about the church now. He's not talking about the bride here. But he's looking at Laodicea, and this is the church age book. He said, she's no longer God's voice to the world. What a terrible place. If, if the church was established with the revelation and upon the revelation of Jesus Christ, and she would be the one to, uh, to sow seed and, and, and broadcast the message of the hour in every age, and she would be God's voice to the world. And those messengers were God's, uh, God's mouthpiece, and God would use them. And then the people who followed would take that message and scatter it, you know, to the coming of the Lord. They believed in their age. And the church was given that privilege to be the voice uh, uh, to the world. Let me tell you, the resurrection is in that voice. That's not the voice of men. That's the voice of God. And the church was endued with the responsibility to bring forth the resurrection because now it's not Jesus standing at the tomb of Lazarus, but I believe it's Christ in the bride calling for the resurrection of those saints that are on the other side. Hey, listen, listen, people, we have a bigger part to play than what you may think. And, and, and here's Brother Bram looking at the church and looking at, looking at the corporate church in general, the denominational system. And the Bible says that in that last day, Christ should be on the outside knocking because it has no place in there. And if Christ has no place in there, their voice doesn't matter. It's where Christ is is what, what voice matters. Right? If Christ is not there, the church can say what it wants. And the church today says all kinds of things and nobody's listening because there's no authority. There's no anointing. There's no backing. There's no power in the voice of the church. It's where Christ is is where that power and that anointing and that backing is. And that's in the bride of Christ because they have become one. Are we all right? Oh, but he says she will maintain that she is, but God says not. But God still has a voice for the people of the world, even as he has given a voice to the bride. That voice is in the bride. Glory to God. Therefore, your witness matters and your defense matters and your uh, statements about the gospel matters. And, and what we say, uh, you know, what we say is able to stir the enemy up because there's a power, there's an anointing. It's not, it's not Barry Coffey or Donnie Reagan or somebody. It's Christ in us. It's Christ in those uh, mouthpieces that God has chosen. It's Christ in those men that God has used to minister to the church that keeps that voice alive and real and that voice sounding out against the, uh, the onslaught of the enemy and that voice sounding out against denominational spirits that try to creep into this message and try to create hierarchies and try to create, uh, you know, uh, churches binding together. We've got this understanding. And you don't. don't. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. Don't tell me it isn't happening. It is. And it's a very dangerous thing. And God will, Brother Branham said, the, the hour you mention denomination among you, that hour you die. That's what he said. And so therefore, 
the bride, in order to continue to be the voice of God in this world, has to remain in a place untethered to anything but Christ. So if this is God and this is you, there can't be anything in between those two. It can't be a system. It can't be a hierarchy. It can't be a denominational spirit. It can't be anything. Nothing. Or when somebody performs a miracle and everybody runs. Show me one place where Brother Bram said to do that. Brother Bram didn't say wait around until things happened in the last day and then everybody go there. He doesn't say it at all. There should be nothing between you and Christ. Nothing. Because the bride of Christ, our significance in the world depends on the voice that's behind the voice. My ministry is nothing without a voice behind the voice. And if there's no voice behind the voice, I'm just like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. I might sweat and perspire, and I might you know, get everybody uh, running the aisles or whatever else, but I'll tell you what, if that's not God's voice behind that voice, it is just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It's not to say that God's not in emotion and God's not in worship and God's not in expression, not at all. Everybody worships in their own way, and we should be free to worship in our own way. But that's not what's significant. What's significant is where is God's voice today in the world. And I'm telling you, it's with the bride. And the bride are a people who believe his word and nothing but. Let's stand to our feet. Let me just see if I can leave you with a statement here as our musicians just slide up here if you don't mind. Brother Brandon was asked a question. He said, should we pray or intercede for one another? If we're all predestinated and the Lamb's Book of Life is already complete, should we pray and intercede one for another? And in a sense, I get it, that's a good question. Why bother praying for other people on their salvation if it's all predetermined by God? And they asked Brother Branham this question. And Brother Branham referred to this scripture in Genesis 14 in his answer. And he said, there come one that had escaped from the battle and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Amri, the, Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, He armed his trained servants born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan and brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women and the people. That's the scripture Brother Branham went to in response to this question, should we pray or intercede for one another? And he said when Abraham knew his brother was gone, he went right after him. He said, now we 
we may not have somebody carried off by an army, he said, but we can certainly go to prayer for that person because you don't know what God will do. And God doesn't give us the end result and the destiny of everybody out there. But Abraham recognized that Lot, unless Lot has somebody go after him, unless somebody has, Lot has somebody with a heart for his, for his nephew to go after him, Lot's finished. And Abraham took off after him. So you know what? It's better. It's better to pray. It's better to go after that person. It's better to reach out for them. Considering thyself. Because if you were in that situation or your son and daughter was out there drifting away, wouldn't you want the church to be praying that God would turn them around and bring them back? Sure. Lead me, Lord, will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called me, I will answer. Lead me, Lord, I will go. Yes, lead me, You 
are my strength when I You are the that I see. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, I'd be a message will always be there. It's been always there, and it will always be there. But Lord, we know you made it available and accessible to us in this last day. You gave us great understanding, Lord. You opened the book. You gave us revelation, Lord, of things that were hidden through the ages. Lord, may we value it. May we esteem it as a great blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the understanding and the knowledge we have. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation you give. And you alone hold a key to that revelation. And I'm praying, dear God, that we who understand many things about this hour, that, Lord, you would speak through us, that we might be the voice of the Lord in this last day. That, Lord, you might still have a mouthpiece. You still might have a microphone. Even though you don't have a prophet in the stature of Brother Branham, Lord, you have a mouthpiece. Whether it's me or someone here, Lord, in giving a witness and testifying about your goodness. Lord Jesus, may we always be the kind of people who can reflect the voice of the Lord Jesus in this hour. Because that's the only hope this world will have. Be our guide. Keep us in your will through the balance of this week, Lord, until we meet again. We commit our needs, our families into your hands and pray that your blessing and rest upon the bride of Christ. 
Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. I feel like going on. Sing it as you go tonight. God bless you. I feel like going on.